0: Anyway, I, what I'm doing tonight I've never done in the history of my tenure of my preaching teaching. I've never done what I'm going to do tonight. I preached this message uh, on Sunday morning, and I, I, the message is so important to get a grip on. I thought, well, there's some believers that come that possibly miss Sunday morning. We'll be on our Sunday on a Wednesday night, and the, so I'm going to give it to you in a different format, but it's the same message in a different format. So repetition builds learning hopefully uh, if you didn't remember everything you remember what you what you see tonight Are we ready to go now the question is have you been accepted or not and this is Ephesians 1 6 being accepted in the beloved to the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he hath made us accepted in the Beloved. Through the years, I've run into so many people that are struggling about their security. And I'm well aware of Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, 23, that says, Jesus said, there'll be many stand before him in that day and say, Lord, Lord, haven't we, you know, done many mighty works in your name? Haven't we prophesied in your name? Haven't we even cast out demons in your name? And Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. Pardon me, your workers are iniquity. So, I get it. There's going to be people that think they are saved, that someday are going to face Jesus at the great white throne judgment. And they'll not be saved. They'll, they thought they were saved. They, they talked about Jesus. They sang about Jesus. They wrote poetry about Jesus. I don't know what, you know. They, they had, But they didn't. had never repented and trusted him in the biblical manner that you must. When you come to God, you've got to do it his way. You don't do it your way. You do it his way. People so, say to me sometimes, well, my Jesus would be good with that. I said, well, the Bible is not good with that. Well, I said, well, my Jesus is good with it. Well, they have a Jesus, but it's not a Bible Jesus. Paul said that if somebody came to you and preached another Jesus, you'd accept him, or another spirit, you'd, you'd be good with it, another gospel, you'd be good with it. But there is another gospel, there is another spirit, and there's lots of Jesus. There's all kinds of of, uh, different kinds of... uh, In fact, uh, Jim Jones in our lifetime said he was the Christ. David Koresh in Texas in our lifetime said he was the Christ. So there's been been people saying, I'm the Christ, I'm the Christ. A few people follow him. Uh, It's sad to see. Uh, But there's only been one Christ. And so they struggle, and and I'm well aware of the fact also in Corinthians when it talks about the judgment seat of Christ, that um, every man's work should be made manifest, for they should declare it, for it should be revealed by fire, the fire should try every man's work of what sort or quality it is. Uh, If any man's work be burned, he'll suffer loss. The word "suffer" is a strong word, it's not a light word. Imagine suffering eternal loss. It's one thing if you have a hurricane, We've had people in this church had houses out on the beach, and they lost. They told me we lost everything. It's gone. And that's sad. That's a lifetime's worth of saving, or maybe work or planning and decorating. You lost your home. Some people had boats, big boats, gone. Still don't find. Still haven't found them. Uh, And it's sad. They they lost a lot. But when you stand before Jesus and you miss him. You've lost a lot. That's that first group I talked about, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, 23. You've lost eternally, lost eternal life. But there's going to be another group that suffers loss, and that's the group of Christians, people who were accepted in the beloved, people who did get born from above, but they didn't obey and and approach the Christian life in a casual way, not 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 a concerned way. They didn't go to the Bible. They didn't take time to read it. They didn't bother with it, but they were saved. The Holy Spirit convicted them, they ignored it. Maybe God took them early. I told you that about, you know, the people in the Bible that God's taken early through death because of disobedience, Ananias and Sapphira, the immoral person in Corinth and others. So bottom line is there's different groups of people. Some people think they're saved and they're not. Some people think they're not saved and they are. I've had people that, I knew we we're saved. I just understood that you know the, the testimony of the Spirit plus the testimony of the verbiage of what they, they they were saved, but they had the devil had ripped away their assurance somehow, and they were miserable people. And uh, you don't want to do this. That. Why this is so important? Our acceptance is not performance based. It's and you can you can believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. Yeah, Paul said in seventeenth chapter of Ashra, have repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians uh, 2, 8, and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourselves the gift of God, not of worse if any man should boast. John three sixteen, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, and whosoever believeth in him should not. So sometimes the Bible just uses the word believe. Sometimes the Bible uses the word just uses the word repent without belief or faith. Sometimes it uses the word repent. And believe. And so it's a combination of those terms, but it's all the same act. It's all the same act when you come to Christ. Do you believe, ask you the question now, do you believe that Jesus is the Christ? Do you believe he was the son of God, which means deity, God manifests in the flesh? Do you believe he died on the old rugged cross, shed his blood, and the third day was raised from the dead? Do you believe he's the only one? Did you ask him have ever, ever, ever uh, repent of your sins? And what, what People sometimes don't know what repentance of sin is. Simply, godly sorrow is what it is. Godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation. The Holy Spirit, which is convicting you to be saved, is causing you to realize you're a sinner, and you become, you become aware of your sin and become sorrowful about it. It's a spiritual thing. I can shame you all you want. That's not God. But when the Holy Spirit begins to shame you and begins to say, you've sinned against God, you've offended God, you become sorrowful. And you say, I'm sorry I did that. I'm willing to, I'm willing to, I want to turn away from that. Now, you you haven't, but you're willing. And then you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not works. That's, That's a choice you've made inside. Okay? So you get saved. But after you get saved, obviously, you know, it would make sense that if you get born from above, you're going to, your, your performance, your life is going to change. But what's sad is there's a whole group of, in fact, there's a few groups of people that believe, and most all world religions believe that the only way you're going to go to heaven, the only way you're going to meet God is by performance. And so it's heavily emphasized. But we are faith-based. It's the finished work of Jesus Christ. And i got to rush, i got to hurry. i got to move through this pretty quickly. So the devil's strategy. Keep you from realizing your position in Christ. That's the devil's strategy. Keep you off balance and constantly on the defensive. I'm not quite measuring up. I'm not quite good enough. My mom and dad never made me feel that way. My mom, no matter what I did she'd put her arm around me and she'd say, Honey, I love you. It was an acceptance not based on performance. Now, she wasn't happy with me. It doesn't mean she was happy with me. You know, that means I may get a whip. My dad told me just before he whipped me, every time he whipped me, he said, I love you, son. I said, I can't take this much love. He said, It hurts me more than it hurts you. And I said, I don't know if I can stand it. But they, the devil wants to keep you all He never wants to let you have any confidence in your salvation and acceptance with God. If he can keep you always feeling, you know, like God's the old man with a big stick, he, he, you're never going to to do what God wants you to do. And that is going to the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He wants you to have enough confidence to be able to share your faith. You're not going to share your faith if you don't know about your faith. If Do I really have faith? I lost faith. I got faith, you know. The devil has lost the war. We know that. But he can take your joy and effectiveness away. And he will if you don't study the Bible because he works on your ignorance. He loves ignorance. Ignorance is great for him. Now, obviously, new believers, every new believer starts out ignorant. Nobody knows the Bible uh, automatically. You have to begin to read it, right? And I would recommend any new believer read it. The New Testament, the book of John is the book I recommend they start in. Read it about three or four times, maybe five times. And maybe from the book of John, go to the book of Matthew and read it. And then from Matthew, maybe read the book of Mark four or five times. Then read uh, Luke. Luke's the most detailed uh, book of, of the Gospels when it comes to the crucifixion, resurrection, post-resurrection, tremendous. The book of Luke, written by a physician. Makes sense. He had a detailed mind. So, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John get to know those books. Don't go to the Book of Revelation. don't go to the Book of Daniel, and I don't even tell don't go to don't go to genesis don't 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 worry about Genesis yet. How about you get under your belt the New Testament and it talks about the lord jesus who who died for you, right and then From the book of Acts is basically what happened in the first hundred years. Acts of the Apostles, how the Holy Spirit worked to begin to build the church. Then you got the book of Romans through the book of Jude is how to live the Christian life. Do you think you need to know that? I think you need to know that. You need to know how to live the Christian life. Romans, Romans through the book of Jude. Then when you get done with it, you get a pretty good grip on that. You go to the book of Revelation. You want to take a... Because everybody that reads the book of Revelation is blessed. There's a promise in there. You read this book, you're blessed. So read the book of Revelation. But don't get overly enamored with prophecy. Guess what? Prophecy is going to work its way out with us or without us. What we need to do is be concerned about the lost people. Because they're dying and going to hell and they don't have much time. You don't know how much time they do have. So you want to share with them and be a good witness by the grace of God. But the devil's going to try to neutralize you. So let's look at the Bible. I did this also in church. Being justified freely by his grace. The word justified means to be declared not guilty, but to be also given the righteousness of God. It's not just being pardoned. It's a bigger word than pardon. You know, you can get a pardon from the president. That means you're guilty, but we're going to let you go. That's not what God did for us. He said, you're guilty. I'm going to let you go for all your sins. I put them on Jesus. But I'm going to give you, Jesus said, I'm going to give you my righteousness. That's bigger than pardon. So not only, have we been, not only have we been had all of our sins forgiven, but now we've got the righteousness of Christ. Woo, that should give you some shouting ground and some places to go that have some confidence. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation, that means a cover. It has to do really with the Old Testament blood on the altar. Through the faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness and he might be just as Jesus might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. So that's where it's at. Where, where is boasting then is excluded. If you're saved by grace through faith and not by performance, nobody's going to go to heaven boasting. There'll be no Baptist. If one Baptist has been said, I heard, wait a minute, Bob Harrington. Wow, that's, that's been a while since I thought about Bob. Bob Harrington, an evangelist of, called the Evangelist of Bourbon Street or something like that, Bourbon Street. And he said, uh, if one Baptist got to heaven on good works, there'd be, he'd be bragging all over heaven how he made it and you didn't, or you didn't do as well as he did. They're not going to be any of that. The Bible said there'll be no flesh glory in his presence. How is that? How is that no, no flesh? Some people have done tremendously for Christ, astoundingly. How is it they're not going to be able to brag? How is it C.H. Spurgeon's not going to be in heaven bragging about what happened? It's because we're saved by grace through faith. Not of ourselves the gift of God. Not of works that any man should boast. So we got saved by the grace of God so that even the playing feel out. It's the, by, by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. But God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And because of that, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Everybody you meet, everybody you meet, if they're not saved, are under the wrath of God. Sinners in the hand of an angry God, Jonathan Edwards. Put it about as clear as, as anybody have you ever seen he, put, he said there was a fire and there was a, a spider had built a, a web above the fire, and the fire as it began to grow, you know when fire hits uh, spider webs, it just they just disappear, and that spider was hanging above that that fire on just one little skinny little strand of his silk, and that fire was eaten up, and every, at any moment that fire would touch that and they would fall into the fire. That's the way a sinner is. At the stop of his heart, at, the, at a tumor in his brain or a stroke, he's going to enter under the wrath of God. Because as soon as he dies, he has no place to go but under the wrath of God. Man, oh man, that will motivate us to get the word of God everywhere we can. Ephesians 1.7, in whom we have redemption through his blood. And that's emphasis on how we get to heaven through the blood of Christ. We have forgiveness of sin according to the riches in grace. And for as much as you know, you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition of your fathers. I mean, you're not going to say by all that work. Jews were big on, on, on this. He said, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Going back to the, the uh, substitutionary death of Christ. His life for my life. He died for me. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days. I will put my laws in their hearts and in their minds. And I will write, under, write them. Now, I believe that comes out of Jeremiah 31, if I remember right, somewhere in that area in the quarter of the New Testament. And there are sins and iniquities that I remember no more. Don't you like that? Now where a remission of there is, there's no more offering for sin. When I stand before the judgment seat of Christ, my sins are not going to come up. They've already come up. What will come up in the judgment seat of Christ are my works? What did I do with the light I had? How obedient, what kind of obedience did I have? In other words, if you have a Bible and don't read it, I think you're going to be accountable to God for that. If you've got the gospel and don't share it, you're you're going to be accountable to God for that. You know, that's accountability. We're going to stand before. And you will suffer some loss of of reward, massive loss, eternal reward, but you'll still be saved as by fire. Having, therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest of the, by the blood of Christ. Of course, that's what I said Sunday, the holiest of holy. What a privilege. Wow. Nobody got to do that but the high priest once a year, and that was not without blood. By a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil that to say, this flesh. That's interpreting it for us. So we're accepted in the beloved by the Father because we are in Christ by faith and not by works being found in him, this is what I had you try to write down on Sunday, if you were in there, sounds, Philippians 3.9, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, righteousness which is of God by faith. That's a powerful verse right there. It's clear anywhere, anywhere I've been able to find it. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God, through our Lord Jesus Christ. That Sunday, I talked about reconciliation. When we when we were born, we're born into sin. In sin did my mother conceive me. I I was born with a sinful nature. It didn't take long to manifest itself. My son at, at six weeks, at, my son at six weeks old, threw a temper tantrum. He was he was warm. He was fed. His diapers were changed. There was no reason to be mad. He was just mad. And he threw a fit. He got his first spanking. Oh, don't be mad at me for spanking a six week old He needed him from that point almost to when he was sixteen years old. I have I've met very I've met many parents who underdisciplined their children. Almost no parents that over them. What are you boys saying? I've met a few parents that over their children. But most parent, most parents, they, they, they sin the sin of underdisciplining. So I don't think you've got to worry about overdisciplining your children. What you've got to worry about is underdiscipline your children. And if you don't care enough about them to discipline them, who's going to? I'll say and it talks further by whom here in Romans 5:2, by whom we also have access by faith into his grace, wherein we stand, rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God. So it's Romans five1 and two. So what do you base your salvation on? If it's performance, you struggle with how much performance, how long a performance, and how hard a performance is God going to send me. I taught Jehovah's Witnesses on a regular basis. I saw Jehovah's Witnesses, I say, are you born again? They say, well, I, I hope so. I said, no, 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 no. Are you born again? Do you know whether you're born again? I don't, I don't know. I don't, don't think I'm really one of the 144,000. First of all, that's, that's crazy. That's just total crazy. The 144,000 are Jewish virgin males. I said, are you Jewish? No. Are you virgin man? I mean, come on. Stop. And so they say they don't have any security at all. Why? They're based on their salvation on performance. 40 hour, is 40 hours a week enough? Because they, they do 40 hours a month, excuse me, to be top-notch Jehovah's Witness. You want to be a high in a Jehovah's Witness, you do 40 hours of door-to-door visitation a month—that's ten hours a week for four weeks—and you are right up at to the top of your witnesses. Now, then they got—they got a pecking order. You got your five hours, and your two hours, and one hour. And you got your people—you know—they—they they have a, a performance. That's not the way. I mean, your salvation isn't—that's not the way that works. Now, God wants you to have some performance after you're saved, but not to be saved. You don't base your salvation, and our acceptance is based on any person. By faith, our performance comes and goes. Our position in the beloved never, ever changes. Once you get born from above, it is eternal. You have, people don't like this term, but they have eternal security. You may like the term assurance. I'm good with that, either one. Eternal assurance, eternal security, but it's what it is. It's because of Bible teaching. Our fellowship can be broken, however. Once you've been born from above, you can be disobedient child. And that makes that makes your fellowship break. Often needs to be restored daily. I believe we that's what the foot washing was all about in John thirteen. We must rest in his sufficiency, not in ours. Birth is spiritual, divine, and cannot be undone by flesh. God knew who you were before you were saved. You are not gonna surprise God on anything you do. No surprise. He knew who you were before you were born. He knew it. And he still loved you. I look at one thing about being married for 52 years, and I thought Bruce had been married a pretty long time, and I know Bud's been married a long time, is uh, why your wife still stays with you. That's just an amazing question to me. I mean, they know you. I mean, they know you through and through. They know, they've seen you in your worst moments. Uh, Bud, have you ever had a bad moment? I mean, you, you, they, they know you in your worst moments. My wife knows me in some moments. I'm so ashamed that I acted so stupid and childish and threw temper tantrums over almost nothing. And she still loves me. But God's better, better, better than that. You tell me God's not as good as a human? He's Better than that. Child often must be disciplined, but he's still your child. The genetic code cannot be changed. I had Troy come up front which is sometimes I would, never mind. Uh, Discipline can go to physical termination. In other words, this, this, this actually was possibly true with the children of Israel. The law of Moses had a provision. If you had a stubborn child that wouldn't obey and you did everything you could to cause that child to obey, you could take your child to the elders of your local city there and say this child's rebellious and and wicked and drunkard, and uh, I think I can't remember all the terms it refers to him as, uh, and and we can't and and, and the, you had to take the first stone. The parent they would gather around a kid with stones because that was their method of execution, and the parent would throw the first stone, and then the rest of them would kill the child, and that was prescribed in the law of Moses. I bet they didn't have a bunch of rebellious child problems. I thought my dad was going to terminate me a couple of times. But God has and does terminate his children. We know that if you go too far away. If you won't listen, you're rebellious. You're a drunkard. You're a glutton. You're a out of the will, he very well may take you early. Now that doesn't mean you're lost. Just like those parents that put their kid doesn't mean it wasn't that wasn't their child. It just means they were he wasn't controllable anymore. He wouldn't do with the will. If you get crazy, get stupid, God may take you home as He did in and and I mentioned before the mother people. So if you don't, if it doesn't terminate you and He lets you live a full life out, and you and you die in that condition, you're going to stand before the general seat of Christ, as I mentioned earlier. The quality of your work is going to be judged. It's going to be all burned up, and you're going to suffer uh, massive eternal loss and public shame because the judgment seat of Christ, from what I understand, is going to be before the host of heaven. You say, I don't care. You will. You care now, really. You get embarrassed easily now. How much will you get embarrassed before God Almighty and His and of the other saints of God? You don't want that. You don't want that. You want to come up under the under your Heavenly Father who loved you and gave Himself for you? You want to do His will. You want, to, you want to be pleasing in His sight. Man, that's the way to go. Don't believe the old devil and the old flesh and the world when you stand at the generosity of Christ. But, but but the discipline that God does for us after we're His children, that's the extent of it. Sin often causes fear and lack of fellowship, which is natural and often healthy. When When a Christian sins... He often becomes sad, uneasy, nervous, uh, heartbreak. You know, I did I was saved at five years old, remember the place, the time, trust in Christ, from five to about 13, had good fellowship with God. tremendous, tremendous times with God, one to one, also in the and you know, I've just, I just I walked with God, and had some fellowship with God. 13 years old. I decided to turn away from God. A conscious decision. I wanted to go into the world and try everything. I wanted to try LSD. I wanted to try pot. I wanted to try alcohol. I wanted to try women. I wanted to try everything the world had to offer. And so from 13 to right about at 18, that's the way I walked. 18 years old. In my bedroom on 2003 Cassopolis Street in Elkhart, Indiana, I had just dropped a big load of LSD and was beginning to have a. I was tripping out, just going in a horrible seeing faces, demons, every kind. You say, was I seeing demons? And I thought, <laughs> looked like it to me. I thought this is it, this is it. God's going to come down on me. I cried out to God for mercy. If you'll save me, if you, if you, I meant save me. I meant. Forgive me of the sin, my sins and position what I've been doing, and put me back into a relationship with you. I I will I will I will turn away from this stuff. And instantly, all that vision I was seeing was gone. And that doesn't happen on LSD. I'd taken a lot of trips on LSD, and I can tell you it didn't, it would go gradually away. But instantly, the room became quiet. I said, God did it. He did. My miserableness from 13 years old to 18 years old was healthy spiritually. Because if God lets you go out into sin as his child and be happy, that wouldn't be a good father. So he takes your peace away from you. As soon as you're going in and starting to walk into sin, he takes your peace away from you. He begins to take your happiness away from you. He begins to take your contentment away from you. He begins to cause you to to be a, an angry person, or a fearful person, or, or a agitated person. Am I describing anybody? But all of that leads to repentance. Godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation. In other words, you get right with God. For whom He the Lord loveth. He chasteneth and scourgeth every what? He's not talking about the world here. He's not talking about the unsaved group of people. He's talking about his sons. Every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, God to deal with you as with sons. For what son is it whom the father chasteneth not? And he basically goes on to say, if you're not chastened, you're not a son in that chapter. Well, I can tell you what, I am a son because I sure have been chastened. Make God's acceptance your acceptance. Take it by faith, as you did your salvation, not by works. Now to him that worketh not, but to him, now I'll try to read it the way it really goes. Now to him that worketh is a reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. In other words, when you work, you get wages. If, if, If 2K if you hire me to do something for you, and I did it for you, you owe me. You owe me some, You owe me whatever we agreed on. You owe me. But if it's of grace, you don't owe me. There's no debt. But to him that worketh not, but to him that believeth on un- and justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for him as righteousness. So in other words, faith in Christ's finished work is is your righteousness. Performance consistent with the position is nice, and it should be, but not required for salvation. To believe and to consent to be loved, William Newell says, while unworthy is a greatest secret. You know, I found people not willing to believe God could love them. They wouldn't accept God's love. Will you accept God's love? Will you just accept it? I accept it. Man, oh man, we've gone through this good conclusion. The Father's action was independent of our failures, sins, weaknesses, seeing he was fully informed ahead of time of whom you, uh, we were when, we off- when he offered us salvation. He knew who you were. No surprise Rest in the position in the beloved. Serve God with great gratitude that matches his grace. And gratitude is a great motivator. I think I said this Sunday, and I don't believe I say it in here. A fear is, is what slaves. That's the motivator of slaves. Do it or I'm going to whip you. Do it or I'm going to beat you up. Gratitude is the motivation of children of God saved by grace. I want to do the will of God. I'm thankful for Him saving me. I'm never going to get over it. I pinch myself sometimes. I get up in the morning thinking, "I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved." The old, old white-haired, old white-haired preacher, been preacher in Kokomo, Indiana, for 45 years in a local church there. He used to get up here and sing. You ready? I've never lost the wonder of it all. I have never lost the wonder of it all since the day that Jesus saved me and a whole new life he gave me. I have never lost the wonder of it all. That's what he sang. Way better than I. He was a baritone. Beautiful, solid voice. White hair. Beautiful, white head of hair. And that was... uh. Dwight Patterson. Sorry, I forgot your name. Dwight Patterson. God bless his soul. Been in heaven a long time now. I'd never lost a wonder of it all. Give praise and walk worthy of his calling in Christ. That's my recommendation, and that's the Bible's recommendation. Quit messing with the world. Quit putting one foot in the world, one foot in the things of God. Give it all. You're never going to be happy. Fifty-fifty. 50-50. One person came up to me years ago and said, I'd like you to marry us. And I said, really, really, I'd love to do that. And they said, well, the only thing is, we, want to, we, we understand the woman was talking to me. She said, I believe in a 50-50 marriage. And I said, I never perform, wedding, I never perform weddings to folks I think are going to fail. But if you've got a 50-50 wedding, it's a 50-50 marriage, it's going to fail. The Bible says the, head, the husband's the head of the house, and you're his helper, his help me. A one to help him to succeed. So a woman's duty is to help is to have her husband succeed. That's man talk there. That's a woman's whole job is to have her man succeed. And if your man doesn't succeed, ladies, and you didn't give it your all, you're gonna be held accountable someday. May your man succeed. Make things good for him. Men. Amen. Jeez, if you don't say amen now, brother, ain't no, ain't no man else gonna help you. <laughs> uh, that's what we, people want to know. What are you talking about in a man up? Well, that's what we talk about. We talk about the Bible. That's Key West. Some of the best sunsets I've ever seen in my life out of Key West. Beautiful, beautiful. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you for the word of God. Quick, powerful, sharpening, two edged sword, piercing, dividing asunder, soul and spirit, joints tomorrow as a concern of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Father, I don't know the hearts of these people. The Bible says I don't even know my own heart. Our heart's desperately wicked. Who could know it? I pray that by the grace of God, we'd have a heart that is wholesome, dedicated, total to the Lord Jesus Christ. In His name we pray. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church, Benita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.